Thank you. That was well done. Johan, remember these girls when you were here 11 years ago? Boy, they've grown, haven't they? Boy, they're beautiful singers, too. I'll tell you, God answers prayer. Brother Jojo's with us today. Amen. God bless you, Brother Jojo. And we prayed for him every day for the last few weeks. And uh, he's with us in church today. Praise God for that. Well, um, today I want to talk about my life as an animal. About ten years ago in Britain, they produced a TV series entitled, the very same title, My Life as an Animal. On that TV series, people actually volunteered to live like animals for a period of time. And so they actually got in there and lived with the pigs and the horses and the cows, and they made these uh, very interesting little documentaries on that. Today we're actually going to take a brief look at a man who for seven years actually thought he was an animal. And we're going to look at that in the lesson that God has for us. Let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, we know prayer works. That's why we come to you. In fact, the scriptures say, unto thee shall all flesh come. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you honor and praise and glory and respect. Do a, a Father, and particularly a Heavenly Father. We ask you please to speak with our hearts now today uh, about this message and this man Nebuchadnezzar and what it was he went through and help us to see the application for our lives. Glorify yourself in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there's actually cases of people who down through the years actually thought they've been animals. Some of those people thought they were animals because they took this hallucinogenic drug called LSD and they thought they were animals. Uh, others have some kind of mental disorder. It's known as clinical uh, lycanthropy. Now, lycanthropy means the supernatural transforming of a person into a wolf. I don't know, maybe this is something like this is what God had Nebuchadnezzar to experience. I'm not sure. But can you imagine if God were to change you into an animal for a day or two? Think of it. You would uh, behave like an animal. You'd think like an animal. You'd reason like an animal. You'd eat like an animal. You'd honk or cluck or bark or growl or drool or something like animals. I see a couple of snickers there. You think that God's already done that to, uh, to some people. Well, maybe he has, maybe he hasn't. But supposing that for a day or two, you could, you could be an animal. And then after that, God brings you back to be a human. Now, what kind of questions would your family and friends have for you as they all rush to you? What are they going to ask you? What's the first thing they're going to ask you? What? Nobody knows? Yeah, how, how did it go? What, what was it like? And so on. If you were to write a book, imagine what you could write. Well, we've got the story here of Nebuchadnezzar, and the story begins back earlier in the chapter when he has this wild dream. Now, this particular dream troubled him. He dreamt about this, this tree that reached just about up to heaven, and it was beautiful, and had leaves and fruit, and fowls and beasts all came under the shadow of it. And then there was this voice from heaven in verse 14, cut 
off his branches, shake off his leaves, and scatter his fruit. Verse 15, nevertheless, leave the stump of his roots in the earth. And uh, verse 16, let his heart be changed from man's, and let a beast's heart be given him. And so it ends in verse 17. But this was his troubling dream. And so he called in the soothsayers, the magicians, the wise men, and Daniel. And Daniel was the one who understood the dream and interpreted it for King uh, Nebuchadnezzar. And basically told him, he said in verse 22, It is thou, O king, this tree, it, it's talking about you. You're the one. And this is what's going to happen to you. And then he gives him counsel in verse 27. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness. Listen, folks, that counsel is still good for today. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also, what? Reap. Reap. The seed you sow today is going to give you the harvest tomorrow. You sow sinful seed today... Don't be surprised if you get an ugly harvest tomorrow. You say, well, I haven't murdered anyone. And I say, praise the Lord for that. But there's a whole lot more sin than just murder. And by the way, you can murder people in your heart, right? You know that. Just read what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. And sometimes we're guilty of that. Sometimes we say, oh, dry up. Or, oh, I wish you were dead. Or that sort of thing. Well, that's akin to murdering them in our hearts. And the counsel here is still good. Break off thy sins by righteousness. Come to Jesus today. And thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. If it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. And so Nebuchadnezzar probably thanked Daniel. And sent him on his way. And that week went by. Nothing happened. That month went by. Nothing happened. Six months go by. Nothing happens. Twelve months go by. And nothing happens. Maybe King Nebuchadnezzar is figuring, oh, I must be all right. I must have somehow appeased the deity somehow. And then, at the end of 12 months, verse 29, he's walking in the palace, the kingdom of Babylon. And here it comes. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? There it is right there. And that was it. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. Did you know God is very merciful and long-suffering? Did you know that? And did you know that God is, is not one who is ready just to smack you down when you do something wrong? But He gives you time to repent. He gives you time to make things right. Some people walk around like Nebuchadnezzar in their pride and they're saying, Oh, hey, look, I'm 30 years old. Nothing's happened yet. Hey, I'm 50 years old and nothing happened yet. Ah, nothing's going to happen. I'm as good as the next guy. Oh, those will be the death of you. Those words will be the death of you. This pride, just like Nebuchadnezzar here. And so, bang, this thing befell him. Wow. Nebuchadnezzar needed to learn the lordship of Jesus Christ. He needed to learn an important lesson. God is in control. God is the one who holds the purse strings. He holds the keys to life and death. The reason that we're all still alive here today is because He has allowed it. There are many people went to bed last night, woke up in eternity today. They're gone. They're, they died in the night. They're gone. Uh, in the news, there's been a lot of horror. 
bombings and shootings and so on. Another one just down in California, I don't know if you saw that, another one on the news today. I think three people dead, is that right? Five people, something like that, in a synagogue, wasn't it? Yeah. Just unbelievable, amazing. These things are happening around us. And people are dying, and off into eternity they go. Well, it's only by the grace of God that it hasn't touched us yet. Hmm. So we need to uh, make sure we give glory to God. But Nebuchadnezzar spent seven years as an animal. Imagine that. Not seven days. Seven years. And uh, he came back into his human, rational mind. And he wrote about it. But he, he didn't write about his long hair, his matted hair. He didn't write about his, his fingernails that turned into claws. He didn't write about his life outdoors sleeping under the, the moon or something. What did he write about? He wrote about God's goodness. That's what he wrote about. And that's how you can know if someone's right with God, because they write about God's goodness. Look at verse 34. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High. I praised and honored him that liveth forever and ever, whose domain is an everlasting dominion. Whose, whose dominion is everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And he goes on here in the next couple of verses extolling and praising God. That's how you know if someone is right with God. That's how you know. Now, in the early 1960s, five young British boys got together and they formed a rhythm and blues rock band. And their behavior on stage was led people to say they behaved like animals because of their screaming and their, their screaming vocals and their wild stage act. And, and so the name stuck and these boys started calling themselves the animals. That was the name of their rock group. And they made very popular uh, a rather wicked song called House of the Rising Sun. And that, that alone proved they were animals. Now I suppose any one of those band members could have written a book entitled My Life as an Animal. That's about right, isn't it? And, I, and it probably would sell a million copies, probably. But what would they write about? They probably would write about all the creepy things they did. Nebuchadnezzar doesn't go into any such detail. He takes his pen and he writes of God's goodness. What a difference. My life as an animal. But how good God has been to me. And he spends the time writing about God. You know that worldly, unsafe people have no wisdom that comes from God. They don't have it because God doesn't give it to worldly, unsafe people. They don't understand what is really important in life. They think that what's important in life is to make a lot of money. They think what's important in life is to be happy. They think what's important in life is to, to live a tranquil, peaceful life and live under the radar. They think that what's important in life is maybe to have good health and live a long life and see your grandchildren and great-grandchildren. They think that what's important in life is to be able to travel and see the world sights. They think that what's important in life, and they, you just fill in the blank, you get the idea. That's all they think. They don't understand what life is all about. They don't know the real important things in life because they don't have the wisdom that only God can give because they're, they're either lost, they're unsaved, they're dead in sin and trespasses, or they may be saved, but they're very worldly. And God doesn't give his wisdom to these kind of people. 
In Psalm 32 it says, Be ye not as the horse or as the mule. Now there's a couple of animals. And God says, Don't be like them which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. At our last seniors luncheon there, I, I read a couple of little things and one of them was a prayer of a senior. And it was just a humorous, but there's a lot of truth to it. Lord, keep your arm around me and your hand over my mouth. And that's something we learn sometimes too late in life, that we speak too much. We open our mouth and we say things that we afterwards we regret. And we sometimes learn that too late in life. Boy, wouldn't it be great to start life with the wisdom that you'd end up with, you know, at, as a senior, to start life with that wisdom. Boy, your life would be different, wouldn't it? Well, God gives wisdom. God is the giver of wisdom and understanding. And God took it away from Nebuchadnezzar. And for seven years, he lived like an animal because there was an important lesson he had to learn. God is sovereign. God is in control. God is the master. We will answer to him one day. And as proof that Nebuchadnezzar got the message. He wrote about God's goodness. And he worshipped the Lord. That's pretty interesting. In 2 Peter chapter 2, it talks about these brute beasts. This, Peter writes and says, but these as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed. So he's talking about like a cow, you know, to get the, the meat from the cow, that sort of thing. They speak evil of things that they understand not. That's why worldly unsafe people speak evil of Jesus Christ, speak evil of the Bible, speak evil of church, speak evil of preaching, speak evil of living a godly life. They call us a goody two-shoes and holy Joe and all that kind of thing because they don't understand. They don't understand. In fact, when Jesus was on the cross, he had to make a very special prayer concerning the people that were around him, mocking him, scorning him, and who actually nailed him to the cross. Jesus had to make a very important prayer to the Father. Do you remember what that was? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If Jesus had not have prayed that prayer, I think the Father would have destroyed them all. Divine justice for what they did to the Son of God. But that prayer saved their bacon. <laughs> saved their lives. Well, teenagers and sometimes young adults will sometimes live their lives like animals do. Just not understanding what's happening to them. They just have no understanding. Sometimes you see a bumper sticker that says, No Fear. How many have ever seen one of those? Uh, that's a good number of us. Yeah, it was very popular years ago. You know, these these young, young kind of tough, tough guys. They drive their car at maniac speed and they put these bumper stickers, no fear. They're living life as an animal, really. They, have, they haven't the foggiest idea. If they did, they'd rip that bumper sticker right off. If you've lived for any number of years, you know there's a lot to be afraid of. I've been living now in Surrey for 20 years. I never used to pray when I drove till I got to Surrey. There's not a day go by when I'm behind the wheel of the car, I do not pray. And if you're ever in the car with me, 
and I go silent in an intersection, it's because I'm praying extra. Now, I may be an okay driver, but it's the other guy I'm worried about, right? Sometimes the young people will just not understand. They don't know what they're going through. They don't know how to fix their problems because they lack the wisdom that only God can give. And sometimes they'll open their mouth and say things or they'll do things that'll make their friends and their parents shake their head and say, what were you thinking? We have an expression in English. It's called being a bull in a china shop. How many have heard that one? All right, not every hand went up there. Well, you know, a china shop sells the little cups made of china and the, the tea things and porcelain and things made out of china. You drop them, they're, they're gone. They, they break. And they're on the shelves. That's the china shop. Well, can you imagine a big 1,500-pound bull in a china shop? And it turns around and smash over this china cabinet. Maybe it'll domino a few shelves and so on. And just total mayhem. A bull in a china shop... And that's how some people live their lives. They're like animals. They don't understand what they're doing in life. They don't know what they're going through. They can't fathom it. They can't figure it out. And they don't know how to fix their problems. That's life as an animal. Nebuchadnezzar wasn't the only one who lived like an animal, was he? I think a lot of people live their life as an animal. The prodigal son was living something like an animal too, wasn't he? Let's take a look at him, shall we? Let's go to the New Testament Gospel of Luke. Have you a race to get there. Luke chapter 15. I'm there. Anyone else? Luke chapter 15. We've got the prodigal. Uh, let's look at verse 11. And he, that's Jesus, said, A certain man had two sons. By the way, hooray for sons. Hooray for daughters. Uh, but this time it was the boys. Uh, verse 12. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. In other words, he wanted his inheritance. And he, that the father, divided unto them his living. We don't know if that was a wise thing or not. But what ended up happening was the, the young one he left home with a backpack full of money. He went to live in Sin City. Look at verse 13. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his living, his substance, with riotous living. Now, because this young guy was living something like an animal, he ended up losing all his money. And he actually, literally, physically, ended up with the animals, the pigs. Which is not good for a Jewish boy, is it? Look at verse 14. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Hey, by the way, uh, let me pay my respects to the lottery system. Uh, over two-thirds now of everyone who wins the lottery loses it. Oh, and the max it takes them about three years, and it's gone. Whether it's a million or it could be 150 million. They just have a way of blowing it all. And by the way, not just those in the lotto, but many in the sports industry 
young 18, 19 year olds who all of a sudden come into multi-million dollar a year contracts. They spend it all. And within a few years, it's gone. It's all gone. They live like animals. And so here, when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. He began to be in want. Verse 15. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Schwein! Pigs! Verse 16. And he, he would fain have filled his belly. The word fain means to have a great desire for something. He looked at the swill and the slop he was feeding to the pigs and he was so hungry that it was looking appetizing. He looked at the gruel and the mess that the pigs would honk and snort on, eat, and he was thinking, oh man, I'd love to fill my belly with that. So he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat and no man gave unto him. Ooh. But, folks, the day finally came when he came to himself. It's like the light bulb went on. His eyes were open. He finally started to realize what an idiot he'd been. And he knew what, he knew what it was he needed to do. In verse 17, when he came to himself, underline those words, when he came to himself, he was no longer going to live like an animal. It says, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to, and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I being a son, I'm dying. Verse 18, I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. So he knew what he needed to do. He came to himself. The light went on. He knew what he needed to do. Did you know there are some unsaved people who finally get the privilege of the light bulb? It goes on. They realize that they're lost sinner. They realize they need Jesus. But for some reason they don't come. They come up to the door of salvation. They look in. They hear the happy singing. They smell the aroma of the feast. But for whatever reason, they don't cross the threshold. They never admit to Jesus that they're a lost sinner. Hell bound. That they don't deserve to be forgiven. They never admit that. They never pray that. They're always hoping that they're a good old boy somehow. They're always hoping. They never repent. And so they never do get saved. Boy, that's a sad story, isn't it? But it's true. You know, many Christians, after they come to Christ, they talk about their lives before they got saved, and they use words such as dark, cloudy, fearful, unknown. You know, that's just about the life of an animal right there. And yet many Christians, believe it or not, will continue to live on in partial blindness. You know, I sure appreciate my eyeballs. I so appreciate the ability to see. Even if I got to wear glasses, I can live with that. But to be able to see if that were ever taken from me, I would really need the grace of God, I tell you. And so would you. But oh, you know, when Jesus came to town, he, he touched the ears of the deaf so they could hear. He touched the eyes of the blind so they could see. And he touched hearts that they got saved and they could understand. 
So many Christians, I think, live their lives, their Christian lives, in partial blindness. And if you ask me, I think it's something like living like an animal. What I'm saying is that they seem to be void of the wisdom that God gives. And they grope. They grope on in their Christian life. They make repetitive mistakes. They're hurting and they hurt others. And then they sit back and they say, where am I going wrong? What have I done wrong? It's kind of like living like an animal, sort of, isn't it? It's almost like the Nebuchadnezzar syndrome. Life as an animal. My Christian friend, do you ever sometimes feel like you don't know what you're doing? Do you ever sometimes wonder where you're going in life? Do you sometimes wonder why certain things are happening to you? Do you ever say, why me? Do you ever wonder why sometimes you're so sad or so grouchy? Do you ever wonder that? It just might be you're living life as an animal. And that's not God's will. Um, turn to the right to the book of Romans. I'll show you God's will. Go past the Gospels, Acts. You'll get to Romans. Chapter 12. In Romans chapter 12, we have God's desire and His will for you, my Christian friend. Here it is in verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Pause for a minute. That simply means give yourself to God. Lock, stock, and barrel. Give yourself to Him. If there's anything in your life that's impure, get rid of it. Don't ask God to just forgive it, but you do your part and get rid of it. You judge the sin in your life. Now verse 2, and be not conformed to this world. Folks, this world is full of animals. Some of them are real beasts. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. There it is there. The word transformation is a word that means a thorough change. Um, the Greek word is, a, we, that's where we get metamorphosis from. A thorough change. And that's what happens with the little caterpillar who spins a cocoon and comes out later as a butterfly. What happened to that caterpillar? That little thing that would just, you know, walk over the leaves and branches and, and eat, eat the leaves. Whatever happened to that? It, it went into a little house and it's gone. Now instead in its place there's this beautiful butterfly. And the thing can take to the skies and fly. Boy, there's a big difference between a caterpillar and a butterfly, isn't there? It's a thorough change. That's the metamorphosis. That's what the idea here is. Be ye transformed. Christian friend, can you imagine if this happened to you? Being thoroughly transformed. You're no longer thinking as an animal. You have the wisdom of God to know what's happening to you. To know where you're going in life. To know what you should be doing where you should be putting your time and your energies. You've been, you've been changed, thoroughly transformed. That's God's desire, His plan, His will, if you'll let it happen. You say, well, how can I let that happen? You do it in prayer. You start by giving God your body. Let God have a holy person to work with. 
Give him your body today at the altar. Say, God, I'm so sorry. I've been running around, you know, like I've been, I'm a thief. I've stolen the body. My body's a purchased possession. I know you bought it with the blood of Jesus. I've been running around as if it's mine. I, I've stolen it from you. I want to give it back to you, Lord. It's your body. Lord, make it holy. Make it clean. Now, if there's things in your life that you know are not right, you need to deal with that. Because God cannot bless a dirty vessel. Oh, he wants to bless us. Oh, he wants to love us and fill us with his wisdom. But we have to be right with him. Remember the lesson that Nebuchadnezzar learned. Can you imagine if you were called upon to go through seven years as an animal? How that would change? Change everything. Change the dynamic. Your whole family would be changed. Your family would live under shame for seven years until you got your mind back. You'd have to be put in some kind of institution, perhaps. Or your, your family would have to get all kinds of equipment in the home and training to be able to deal with you. For seven years as an animal, you run around naked. You got no concept, no idea. After seven years, then God graciously gives you back your mind, your understanding. Wouldn't you praise God? Wouldn't you worship Him and thank Him? Maybe there's a Christian here today who's been running around and living life like an animal. The Nebuchadnezzar Syndrome. Wow. God didn't want to make you for that. He doesn't want that for your life. Come on the invitation. Perhaps you're here today and you've never been born again. You know what I'm talking about. You've never actually have it happen to you. Your life is empty. Your life is dark. You may think, oh, I, my life isn't empty. My life isn't dark. I got my job. I got my family. No, no, your life is empty. Your life is dark. You haven't a clue what's going to happen to you when you die. Your eternity is totally unsure. Let me tell you a story. It happened back in 1875. True story. One night in the summer. This is well before electricity was invented and found its way into our homes with light bulbs and switches. Homes were lit by, by these oil lamps and candles. That's how they provided light. And in 1875, a Christian hymn writer known as Philip Bliss was in his home holding a candle or a lamp, carefully walking down the hall toward his bedroom, when he suddenly had the idea for a new hymn. He remembered the thought of Christ's words saying that he was the light of the world. And out of this simple experience, Philip Bliss created the words and music for a hymn that's in our hymn book. The light of the world is Jesus. He wrote, the whole world was lost in the darkness of sin. The light of the world is Jesus. Like sunshine at noonday, his glory shone in. The light of the world is Jesus. Come to the light. Tis shining for thee. Sweetly the light has dawned upon me. Once I was blind. But now I can see. The light of the world is Jesus. If you're here today and you're not part of God's family, you really are living like an animal. And there's no need for you to live your life like an animal. You need to come to Jesus today and ask Him to forgive you and save you. Let you be born again into God's family. Change from being an animal to being a child of God. Let's stand to our feet today for prayer.